0: So we're in the second week of a sermon series on Holy Spirit, and I saw something on Facebook the other day, and it was really just too good to not share with you. The question was posed, do you really need Holy Spirit to get to heaven? And here was the answer, buddy, you need Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. What are you talking about, heaven? (laughs) I thought that was too good not to share as we started this sermon. Again, second week in a sermon series called Empowered, we're talking about Holy Spirit. And we're going to start with a little bit of recap. It's, it's called empowered because Holy Spirit's work in our life is to empower us so that we are more like Jesus. That's His work in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says it this way, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and like, more and more like Him, as we are changed into His glorious image. work of Holy Spirit is to make us more like Jesus. We, we often forget something, though. We often forget that that work doesn't happen in an instant. Paul says, as we are changed. As we are changed. The work of becoming more like Jesus is a continual process. That's why our sermon series has triangles. You notice the triangle on the far left isn't really all that easy to see. It's not all that easy to see. When we become Christians, there's still a lot of things that we have to work out. Maybe our life doesn't reflect the values of God too well yet because we're still learning how to be transformed and think and act and love like Christ, but as we continue to grow in our faith, as we're transformed by the Word of God, as we're transformed by the people of God, as we're transformed by the Spirit, we will begin to look more and more like Christ to the point where it's really not all that hard to see Jesus in us. Holy Spirit has a work to do in all of our lives, and that work is to make us more like Jesus. So that was last week. That was last week. This week, I want to start with gift cards. And by show of hands, how many of you in the room have a gift card to somewhere right now? Gift card to somewhere. I'm talking Applebee's, Red Lobster, Walmart, Lowe's, Texas Roadhouse. Doesn't matter. How many of you have a gift card? You already raised your hand. You're going to do it again. This is your exercise this morning. Okay, very good. Uh, By the way, speaking of Texas Roadhouse, this is for free. I don't actually know how to eat there. Does anybody know how to eat at Texas Roadhouse? Because every time I go there, I have the same problem. I order this nice meal. We go when we have gift cards. So I order this nice meal. I, I like to get a ribeye when I go to Texas Roadhouse. And I get the ribeye and a loaded baked potato and a side Caesar salad. And it is, I'm just so looking forward to it. But every time I go there, by the time my food gets there, I am full. I don't know how to go to Texas Roadhouse and not eat three baskets of that bread with that cinnamon butter. Does anybody else know how to eat at Texas Roadhouse? Because I don't know how to do it. (laughs) That's not in my notes. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, you have a gift card somewhere. Do you know that companies love giving out gift cards? Companies love giving out gift cards. You know why? Because people don't use them. People don't use them. Every year, a billion dollars in gift cards go unspent in the United States. Experts estimate that the average adult has $300 in unused gift cards right now. You are gift card rich. People love getting gift cards too. Companies love to give gift cards. People love to get gift cards. The problem is we don't use them. The gift of Holy Spirit is like that for a lot of people. We've been given an incredible gift, we just don't use it. And Holy Spirit is a gift. Acts chapter 2 says that when, we, uh, when we're baptized, we are forgiven of our sins and we are given the gift of what? Holy Spirit. So how do we, how do we take advantage of this incredible gift from God? How do we receive the benefit of God's Holy Spirit? How do we allow Holy Spirit to work in our lives to produce change that transforms us more and more and more into the image of Jesus? How do we prevent Holy Spirit from being like a gift card that ends up at the back of our junk drawer? To answer that question, we're going to look at John chapter 14, starting in verse 16. Here's what... I'm sorry, verse 15. Here's what Jesus has to say. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I'm not going to abandon you as orphans. I'll come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas Now, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me and remember my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you because... But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So if we look at this passage, your first impression might be, well, this is going to be a really similar sermon to last week. And that's a valid point. We looked at, John chapter sixteen last week, and it's a it's a very similar passage. Jesus is talking about Holy Spirit there too, um, but there's going to be a difference. Between this week and last week, first of all, it's a different passage. Uh, But second, last week we were getting a big overarching picture of Holy Spirit. This week we're going to dive into some details, some things that are uh, smaller that we might gloss over at first glance, but reveal important truth to us about Holy Spirit. So first of all, in, in verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Do you see the word another You see the word another there? It's in blue. That's helpful unless you're colorblind. In Greek, there are two words that are used for another. And I'm I'm not going to bore you. The first is heteros. It means opposite of the first. Uh, We we get a lot of our words today. They have Greek origins. So when we talk about heterosexual, it means you are attracted to someone of the opposite sex. That comes from this idea of heteros, opposite. Another, but opposite. So that's the first one. The second is alos. It means like the first. Now understand. I I need you to understand. So there's two different ways to talk about another in Greek. Heteros means opposite. Alos means alike. Very much alike. Similar. The same. And I, I need you to understand I'm not trying to impress you with my Greek. Okay? So I would be impressing you with two of the three words that I know. That's not very impressive. There's a point here, I promise, okay? Uh, And Jesus says, again, I will ask the Father and he will give you another, alos, one who is alike, another advocate who will never leave you. The second advocate will be like the first. Holy Spirit will be like Jesus. Now, I need you to understand that Jesus made some very incredible claims about himself. Like that one time when he said, before Abraham was... I am. The second will be like the first. Or, or maybe that time when a group of friends lowered a paralyzed man down through the roof to put him before Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus said to that paralyzed man? He said, Your sins are forgiven. And the second will be like the first, alike. Alos. And the religious leaders, they had, they had kind of a problem with this. They had a really big problem. And here's what they said in their minds. They were just thinking to themselves. They said, who can forgive sins except God Himself? It's actually a great question. That's a really great question. Here's why. A person can only forgive someone who has sinned against them. That means for Jesus to be able to forgive sins, sins have to be against Him. So I'm going to have some fun explaining this this morning. Let's say after church, Luke goes out and steals a car. By the way, uh, if you're new here, Luke is our student pastor and he would never steal a car. It's one of the reasons we hired him. In his interview, we said, Luke, would you ever steal a car? And he said, no, I don't think so. we said, okay, that's good. Anyway, so Luke, after church today, goes out and steals a car. Uh, Whose car do you want Luke to steal? Go ahead and interact with me a little. Whose car is he going to steal? Different answer actually there's a reason who whose whose car Dan's Dan Owsley's perfect so Luke after church today is going to go out and steal Dan Owsley's car Dan has a really Dan and Chris have a really nice car and uh so Luke steals their car and he's going fast and he uh he takes it to a chop shop in Louisville and sells it for parts right and so here's something that doesn't mean a whole lot Luke gets back, and I go up to him and I say, hey, buddy, I I just want you to know something. I forgive you. That doesn't mean a whole bunch, does it? You know why? Because Luke didn't sin against me. If I say, I forgive you, Luke, that doesn't mean a thing. Now, if Dan and Chris go up to Luke, if Dan and Chris go up to Luke and say, Luke, I really, really wish you wouldn't have taken my car to a chop shop. I'd really prefer to have a whole car, you know, like, it doesn't have any wheels now. but I, mean, I can get over that. Luke, I forgive you. All of a sudden, it means something quite a bit different, right? It didn't mean a thing if I said, Luke, I forgive you. But when Dan and Chris did, because they were the ones who were sinned against, when they say, I forgive you, all of a sudden, it means quite a bit more. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. It means that sin is against him. What Jesus is saying, what Jesus is saying when he forgives sin, is that I am God. And over and over again throughout his ministry, Jesus has said this, I am God. And the second advocate will be alike. The second advocate will be like the first one. I am sending someone who is just like me. Just like me. We said last week that Holy Spirit isn't a lesser version of God. He's a different part of who God is. Now I want you to look at this phrase. I'm sending someone. I'm sending someone who is just like me. It's important that we realize Holy Spirit's a person. And maybe you notice that I don't say the Holy Spirit. Maybe you thought that was awkward last week. Throughout the sermon, you just keep saying Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit. I, I do that. It's a subtle reminder to myself. It's a subtle reminder to myself that Holy Spirit's a person. So when we're talking about something specific, when we're talking about somebody specific, we don't say the when we're talking about something nonspecific or something that's not real, we're not talking about an animate object, we put the in front of us. So let me give you some examples. We say the banana, the ball, the Bible, or if we're talking about a person but not a specific person, we might say the preacher or the doctor or the lawyer, but when we get specific and we're talking about somebody who exists, we don't say the, we just say their name. How many of you have ever said the Tony? Sounds a little weird, doesn't it? The Dan. The Jeff. That sounds a little bit weird, doesn't it? We just say Tony, Jeff, Dan. We don't say the Jesus. Why do we say the Holy Spirit? I'm just reminding myself that Holy Spirit is a person. I'm not trying to get you to copy me. I'm just telling you uh, what I do to remind myself so I can remember that Holy Spirit's a person. And by the way, this isn't just me. Jesus does the same thing. A little bit more nerdiness this morning. In Greek, the word for spirit is pneuma. I promise, I promise, I promise we won't do any more Greek for the next three months after this, okay? Uh, It's a neuter word. It's not masculine or feminine. So masculine words get masculine pronouns. He, him, his. Feminine words get feminine pronouns. She, her, hers. Neuter words get neuter pronouns. It and this being the most common one. So it would seem to follow that if Jesus were going to be grammatically correct, we should expect to see Holy Spirit described as it or this. But Jesus doesn't do that. Here's what he says. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus thinks of Holy Spirit as he not it, and so should we. Here's why this is important. Tim Keller has a really great sermon illustration, so I'm going to take it, uh, and I'm going to modify it for our purposes, but full disclosure, got this from Tim Keller. Um, so he said, he said, imagine we were going to have Billy Graham come and stay at, at our house, uh, in, in your house. Uh, Dan and Chris, you have Billy Graham coming to stay at your house. It's slightly problematic because you don't have a car right now, but... Billy Graham is coming to stay with you, and so things are going to be a little bit different as Billy Graham comes, right? Um, You guys keep a a clean house, but I suspect you're going to tidy up just a little bit more if Billy Graham is going to come and stay with you. And and you might even have like a special seat that you designate. Okay, Mr. Graham, after dinner, when we sit down in the living room and we'll talk, this will be where you sit. And and the things that might bother you as a family, if people start getting on each other, there's nerves all of a sudden those things don't seem quite that important anymore because they're put into the perspective of the fact that we've got an important guest with us and we're not going to get bothered by the little things and as we sit down and talk we're going to hang on their every word i just can't wait to hear what you have to say tim keller says that we have to remember that holy spirit isn't a spiritual force he's a dignified presence it's a dignified presence, not a spiritual force. And when Holy Spirit's around, hang on his every word. Don't get bothered by the small stuff because the Holy One of God is with you. And Holy Spirit is not a spiritual force. And there's a the problem with thinking about Holy Spirit as a spiritual force. We've all, think, we've all thought of a, of, of a force. And, and, if, and if Holy Spirit's a force, then it's just a matter of creating the right circumstances. And presto, it's going to work. So let me give you an example. Uh, Magnifying glass. You hold a magnifying glass up to the sun, and there's a leaf on the other end. You get that magnifying glass in the right position, what happens to the leaf? It burns, right? Um, If you did this with bugs, you need to repent, okay? But if you get the magnifying glass in the right position, it will burn the leaf. That's a force. Holy Spirit isn't a force. It's not a matter of putting ourselves in in the right position and allowing the force to work. Holy Spirit is a person. And so a lot of times we play these games with ourselves and we say, if I just read the Bible enough or I pray the right words, I'll activate the force of Holy Spirit in my life. But Holy Spirit is a dignified presence, not a spiritual force. So if we want Holy Spirit to work in our life, we have to care about Holy Spirit. We have to care about Holy Spirit. Having Billy Graham stay at your house would be a—it would have been a privilege. It would have been a privilege. But it would have paled in comparison to the privilege that we possess in having Holy Spirit with us right now. It is a far greater honor to have Holy Spirit in me than it would have been to have had Billy Graham at my house. So in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, or some, some uh, presence or, or form of God existed in the tabernacle within the Holy of Holies and only the high priest could enter that space and and the high priest only one person could only enter that space once a year and the priests were very aware of the awesome privilege and responsibility that they had in entering the presence of god in fact they would go in with a rope tied around their foot so that if they died in the presence of god then the other priests could pull them out without being at risk themselves and it was a great responsibility it was a great honor to be in the presence of god and it only happened once Once a year, and now the tabernacle of God, the presence of God, is not in the temple. It is right here within our bodies. God dwells within us. It is a great honor. So to be changed by Holy Spirit, we have to be aware of His power. And we have to be aware of His presence. He is God. And he is here. And just like the dignified guest, we should hang on his every word. On his every word. I can't wait to hear what you say next. I am interested in what you have to say. It carries weight in my life. And Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. He will lead us into all truth. That's what he said in chapter 16. How does he do that? Through the Bible. Remember last week, we, we looked at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. How does Holy Spirit lead us into truth? Through the Word of God. And I need you to understand something. Reading the Bible isn't just about reading the Bible. It's not just about being able to say, I've read 10 pages today. It's not just about being able to say, I've read three chapters today. Reading the Bible is about listening. Reading the Bible is about having Holy Spirit in your house, sitting in the chair and listening and leaning into what He has to say and hanging on His every word because it matters to you. It's a dignified presence. Reading the Bible is not about reading the Bible. It's about allowing Holy Spirit to do the work of transformation in our lives. Now think about it like glasses. I got new glasses earlier this year. Suddenly all of you got blurry. But I got new glasses this year. Here, let me tell you why I didn't get new glasses. I didn't get new glasses so that I could look smart or distinguished. I realized that that's not going to happen. Okay? Uh, I, I didn't get new glasses so that when you come over, I could have them sitting on the end table on top of a book so that I could look really distinguished like I just got finished reading something. I didn't get new glasses so that when I make an important point in a sermon, I can put on my glasses and look really smart and emphasize my point. I didn't get new glasses so that I could say, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but I've got glasses. Kind of a big deal. i got, I got glasses. i got glasses so that I can look through them and see the world correctly. And that's what the Bible is. It's how we learn to see the world through Holy Spirit's vision. And that's what he wants to do. Holy Spirit wants to change the way we see the world. Holy Spirit wants to change the way we see the world. And how does that happen? How do we use that gift? How do we make sure Holy Spirit doesn't end up like a gift card in the back of the junk drawer? We start by acknowledging He exists. So When we get a gift card, it's not, it's not likely that we're going to use it right away. And the longer something goes unused, the less likely we are to use it. And the same as followers of Christ, remember that you have Holy Spirit in you and let Holy Spirit begin to change you. Jesus told us that He was sending someone just like Him who is going to change the way we see the world. The Holy Spirit is also going to change the way that we see ourselves. Holy Spirit's going to change the way that we see the world around us. Holy Spirit's also going to change the way that we see ourselves. Here's what Jesus says in verse 26. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. That word, advocate, okay, I, I lied to you earlier. Remember, remember that part in the sermon when I said we weren't going to do any more Greek Prize. Okay, so that word advocate, um, if you look in different translations, there are a lot of different words that get used to translate that. You see comforter, counselor, friend, helper, or as we see here, advocate. The reason there are so many different words that are used to translate is because we don't have a really good word that encapsulates what's being said here. Okay, it's the word uh, paraclete. Paraclete, it's a compound of two different words, para meaning uh, someone who stands beside you and cleat meaning one who speaks on your behalf. And so we could very literally think of Holy Spirit as the one who is with us and speaks on our behalf. That's a good way to think of Holy Spirit, the one who is with us and speaks on our behalf. Somehow that doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well as advocate though, right? Right? So, if Jesus were to say, uh, when the Father sends the one who is with you and speaks on your behalf, that is, the Holy Spirit, He'll teach you everything you need to remind you. It's, it just doesn't, just doesn't flow as well. So, we, we come up with different words like comforter, counselor, friend, helper, advocate. But that's a good description uh, or a good definition of this word paraclete. The truth is, Holy Spirit is with us and he does speak on our behalf. The question is, to whom does Holy Spirit speak? If he's speaking on our behalf, who is he speaking to? Well, a lot of times, a lot of times he's speaking to us. And so to me, Holy Spirit has to say, Tony, you are good enough. You're good enough because you belong to God, and maybe he needs to say that to you. Sometimes Holy Spirit has to remind me that my failures are the things that I try that don't work The things that I don't say well in the moment or the times that I let somebody down, those things don't affect my salvation. And maybe Holy Spirit needs to say that to you. Sometimes Holy Spirit has to remind me that God still loves me and maybe He needs to say that to you. Sometimes Holy Spirit needs to remind me that even when things are difficult, I'm not walking on my own and maybe He needs to say that to you. Sometimes Holy Spirit needs to encourage me. Sometimes Holy Spirit needs to challenge me and say, Tony, what you're thinking about, it's selfish, and you need to take a step back here. Maybe He needs to say that to you too. Sometimes Holy Spirit needs to say, Tony, you know what you're thinking right now. It's not fitting for a child of God. Maybe He needs to say that to you too. And sometimes Holy Spirit needs to say, don't do this. You know it's wrong. Maybe he needs to say that to you. Sometimes, here's what Holy Spirit does. Sometimes Holy Spirit speaks against us because he's for us. And sometimes the thing that I need to hear isn't what I want to hear. Sometimes Holy Spirit speaks against the flesh that is in me so that Christ that is in me can be stronger. And at every turn, Holy Spirit will remind us of who we are, and Holy Spirit will remind us of whose we are. If we're willing to listen to our dignified guest, that's what he will tell us. So there's this chorus from this song by a guy named Zach Williams, and it's really simple and really beautiful. In fact, it's just this one phrase repeated over and over again, and that's not usually my preference. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal to me either way, but, but when the chorus is just one phrase that you repeat over and over again, that's not how I would, I don't write music, but that's not, that's not how I'd write a chorus. But this one chorus from this song, every time I hear it, the only way I can describe it is that it's just, it's good for my soul. And, and here's what it says, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I believe that that's what Holy Spirit wants each of us to know deep down in our hearts. And I believe that that's what Holy Spirit wants each of us to know so that it affects the way that we treat the people around us. The way that we react to circumstances. This is scary, but I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I'm a child of God. This is tempting me, but I will not give in. Why? Because I am a child of God. I feel alone, but I know I'm not because I am a child of God. And that's what Holy Spirit wants each of us to know. And as we let that truth sink into our hearts, it will get easier and easier and easier to see Christ in our lives. Christian that's what holy spirit wants you to know. And if you're here today and you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, we want to give you that opportunity to do that. If you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of holy spirit, we want to give you the opportunity to do that today. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a song of decision. If you'd like to confess Jesus as your Lord and be baptized, you can meet me right here. But right now I want to pray. Our Father and our God Would you please give us today an awareness of Holy Spirit so that we can live in a way that appreciates His presence in our lives. And Father, for anyone here who needs to acknowledge their need for Jesus, would you give them the courage to do so as we sing today? We love you, we praise you, and we want to honor you with our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.